I'd love to see more public sector officers actively engage in the startup ecosystem. I think there's lots to learn and probably one of the biggest things I learned in in my roles in government was spending time and listening to the challenges that startups face and being able to provide a pathway to help them, you know, access grants, funding or just support um, to help bring their ideas and their businesses to life. Welcome to Startup West, the podcast about West Australian startup founders or innovators who have been there and done it or are right here and doing it. My name is Chris Tan. And I'm Danelle Cross. And before we start, we'd like to acknowledge that we record this podcast on the land of the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation, and we pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. I'd also like to thank our sponsors. Startup West is produced by Startup News and sponsored by the City of Perth, RSM, Space Cubed, TechOn and Curtin University. Uh, In this episode, we speak with Gemma Isles, founder of the Lightbox Group. Hey Gemma, so can you tell us about the Lightbox Group, um, what it does and how it's going? Absolutely. Uh, The Lightbox Group is uh, a company that aims to help build creative confidence in people, especially around innovation. So we help with innovation management programs, coaching, guidance and helping with innovation projects. So bringing ideas into life as well. And do you work across uh, government? Do you work across corporates, et cetera? Yeah, all industries. I think what's really exciting about innovation is it can be anywhere. Um, It's not just targeted in uh, startup land. It's Mm -hmm, also mm -hmm. in any kind of organisation, especially complex bureaucratic ones, which I've had some experience (laughs) with. Um, So innovation uh, is an important, I guess, discipline that we're really trying to uh, promote and, like I said, build that confidence in people. Awesome. And... um, How did this idea first come about? Um, Is this the first iteration of this idea and has it changed much since then? Yeah. So maybe a little bit of background. I've I've spent 20 years in human resources. So I've I've done a lot of work with people over the years across many industries. And one day I found myself working in government, uh, local government, and I actually went to a conference and the conference theme was innovation. And I thought, ooh, what's this? What's this topic? This is different, <laughs> especially when it came to people um, and human mm. resources. Uh, so I, I kind of had this idea that maybe we should be doing something a little bit different in government. And uh, I brought this idea to uh, my CEO and he told me to go do a business case, which, you know, quite a few swear words swirled around in my head <laughs> at that point. I thought it was, um, but he did say to me, I want you to be bold Um, pretend there's no limits. Very unusual for a government environment Mm, to use those words. So um, I built him a website over a weekend. I had been reading and learning all about innovation and found um, that it really connected with me. It connected with my creativity and my curiosity on how organizations work or how things work. Um, And so I pulled together a a website for him, which of course was a very unusual business case in government land. Um, He entertained it, loved it, thought it was really great that he could learn from that. Um, And it took about eight months later and he actually made me the crazy ideas officer for one of the local (laughs) governments here in Perth. And uh, that was really the start of my innovation career and being able to understand, learn what it was, how we could do things differently, how we can shift mindsets and really how do we build a culture of innovation in organisations. So I guess really this is an extension of all that work that I've been doing over the last six, seven years and um, really excited now to expand that out across multiple different organizations. 
Yeah, awesome. We might just unpack some of the work that you've done in government if we could. And I know you wear many hats and we'll touch on, you know, a few of them. But the work um, that you have done across sort of local government and, and state government, you know, can you talk us through some of those challenges within the innovation space over there and some of the opportunities as well. Absolutely. We, we, oh, geez, I could, I could talk <laughs> where, about where this do you all start, day, right? right? Where do you yeah, start? Where, do, where do you start? Um, look, let, let's be frank, uh, government can be quite challenging. It's a bureaucratic environment. It's, uh, you need a lot of uh, people to make decisions. Um, and rightly so, we're, mm. we're dealing with taxpayers' money, we're ensuring that the quality of life is where it needs to be for community mm. members. Um, we have a heavy responsibility as government officers to be able to do that. So being able to mm. innovate and push and do things differently is actually quite a challenge. Um, but it's not impossible. And I think that's what I uncovered during my time in, in government was um, just thinking about things a little bit differently, mm. finding allies within the organisation who also believe that we could do things better um, there's already a lot of programs and a lot of innovation actually already happening within the public sector. Mm. Um, so it's just about recognising what it is. And, and like I said before, be building that confidence in people to say, do you know what? I can do things differently. I have some control over that. I have mm. control over the work that I'm doing. Mm. And how can I improve the process? How can I integrate technology into what I'm doing? Or how do I have the confidence to speak up and put my idea mm. forward to my supervisor or my my executive team? So I guess I've I've learnt the hard way mm. <laughs> in a lot yeah, of okay. my roles. Um, I've had a lot of no's. I've had um, I've had a lot of um, I like to talk about different types of people working in an organisation. I, I read a really great innovation book many years ago called The Innovation Race, mm -hmm. and it talks about explorers and preservers. So in an organisation, you need people who are explorers, people yes. who will find great ideas, yep. look at things differently, push push the limits. But you also need preservers because who's going to bring those ideas to life? Mm. So you need both types of um, mindsets within an organisation. So for me, mm. I've, I've really tried to find um, when I've needed them, the explorers, and when I've needed to bring ideas into action, those preservers who mm -hmm. understand government environment, understand the restrictions, understand the legislation or the regulations you need to, um, I guess, navigate to be yeah. able to bring those ideas to life. And mm. I think if you can tap into the people, you can actually develop some amazing um, programs or projects. And it's all about how do we improve the quality of life of citizens. So I was really passionate about that. Um, I was able to make a few things happen, which was great. But for me, I think my proudest moments were um, being able to build the capability of others within the public sector. And uh, yeah, it was, it's was it been a fabulous journey. Challenging, hard, <laughs> um, yeah, definitely not easy, but extremely rewarding um, to be able to make an impact um, across local government and also when I was working in the health sector as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's fascinating. There's just so much there, I feel like still to unpack out of that, but... Um, <laughs> No, it's. Um, I think it's remarkable. There's. There's a lot there. Absolutely, that I think that um, a lot of different teams, a lot of different industries, a lot of different sort of areas and professions um, do need that um, knowledge, that encouragement, that um, skill set to mm. push forward these ideas of innovation. So, Gemma, I just want to unpack a bit about innovation in government. Um, you know, we went through the COVID years or the COVID period, let's mm. call it, where a lot of sort of you know, innovation occurred, rapid decision-making occurred within government. Um, can you talk to me a bit about during that period, but also a little bit about post 
mm. um, COVID innovation too and mm. your sort of um, experiences and thoughts in that in that space? Yeah. Before COVID happened, I've, it was very challenging to kind of push along technology advances. Mm. Um, remote working wasn't a massive thing yeah. in government. You know, <laughs> we were, there was a bit of presenteeism happening there. And so when COVID hit, I'll be honest, I felt quite redundant. I was like, I'm in the role that's nice to have. I was the the Mm -hmm. chief innovation officer at a local government. It was one and only role, I believe, um, at that time across WA local government that was just a sole innovation role. And I knew, like, what am I going to do here? It's Mm. already hard enough and now we've got this panic around how do we support our vulnerable community members? How do we shift or pivot our our services, Mm. especially from libraries, which are, you know, one of the safest spaces that community members have. So Mm. I I went through a bit of grief, I'll be honest, for a couple of weeks and um, I was chatting with my innovation network. Um, I'm very fortunate. I I get to work with... um, uh, Professor Fiona Wood, who's an incredible innovator in her own right, but also mm-hmm. very active in the innovation um, uh, ecosystem. And talking um, with them, we thought, we, how can we do something? What can we do here? Mm. And so at that time, the Public Sector Commission had an ideas platform, which was internal facing, and many organisations put these platforms in. You put a challenge out, you ask for people to bring mm-hmm. ideas yeah. forward, and you kind of work through an innovation process. And so I was uh, talking with Fiona and um, she'd been at a meeting. She'd had a lot of companies reach out to her about how can I help during COVID? Mm. And the same with with me. I had startup businesses saying, look, how do we how do we make PPE? How do we mm. um, turn our gin distillery into a <laughs> hand sanitizer company? Um, because they all had this driving um, need and passion to want to support the community at that time. And uh, Fiona and I put an idea forward, well, why don't we turn that that uh, ideas platform into a community-facing platform? Mm. Mm-hmm. And we had the support of um, the Honourable Roger Cook at that time. He was Deputy Premier. And we created a WA Innovation Hub. So it was a pop-up innovation hub. And what I love about this time, it's probably one of my favourite times in my career, um, was for 12 weeks we had no funding we rely completely on volunteer support, <laughs> but volunteers from government agencies, industry, mm. startups, community members, you know, the corporates got involved. I mean, it helps when you've got Professor Fiona Wood, you yeah. know, picking up the phone, <laughs> and having a chat to you. So I definitely rode on her coattails there. But I think the exciting part was that we evaluated around 145 ideas, um, which community gave us. Mm. And then we... Uh, built a ideas advisory board. We had some fantastic people from across the industry, um, some already working in, in government innovation hubs as well, contributing to this. Mm. And we were able to kind of explore different ideas. So we looked at uh, the utilisation of drones for cleaning community facilities. Um, we even tried to get a big industrial dr- drone to work in the <laughs> ROC arena, but, you know, the big thick <laughs> roof wasn't really um, helping us with that. But what happened was um, those ideas uh, saw further ideas or advancements in some of those organisations. So they really appreciated the opportunity to explore how their technology worked, mm. but also the opportunity to engage directly with government. Mm. And I think there's a really important lesson uh, in the work that we did during that time is how beneficial it can be if you can connect government, 
industry, academia and community members together. The power is incredible and the innovation and the technology that you can embrace during that time can really make an impact. Um, I'd love to see uh, more of that kind of engagement and collaboration happening and I think that comes from just, you know, some of our public sector officers getting a little bit more confident that they can engage in this space, they can engage in this ecosystem, which is why um, the the launching of the Australian Innovation Management Institute that we uh, were very privileged to have Minister Dawson, the um, Minister for Innovation, mm-hmm. launch for us a few weeks ago. Yeah, can you tell us a bit more about that, Gemma, and how sure. that intersects with the work that you're doing in Lightbox? Yeah, so I, uh, many years ago, I uh, was invited to speak at a conference in Dubai, actually, and I was only there last week, so it was it was really <laughs> nice to be back after a few years away. And I was invited to speak on a program at the through the Dubai Government Excellence Program. And it was all about innovation, and I thought, "Geez, what have we what have we got in common with Dubai?" Um, but actually, quite a lot. So the government officers face all the same challenges as us. But part of their program is that they embrace the um, innovation management certification program that the Global Innovation Management Institute um, deliver across the world through their certified training providers. And so I've been involved in that program for many years. And even during COVID, we did some uh, innovation Olympic programs. We were working with the city of Bogota around um, COVID safe roles. We were utilising university students around the world to come along and I guess come up with some ideas on how to create safe roles or safe jobs. So I've been involved in this global institute for quite a number of years and um, talking with some of my innovation peers here with Greg Reby and Kent Matler. And uh, we were talking about how do we bring this program here? How do we bring innovation capability building here to Perth? And there's lots of different training programs. There's everything to do with design thinking available. Um, Danelle and I, we actually created a program many years ago called Switch, which is around switching on innovation in government. Um, But really, there's a really great opportunity for strategic innovation as a management discipline to be developed, a common language to develop across our state here. Mm. So talking with Kent and Greg, um, the idea was born to, well, why don't we create our own Australian Innovation Management Institute? And I was really fortunate they wanted me to be part of their board and um, we launched the the institute, which is a not-for-profit, um, mm. a few weeks ago. And now we're starting to host events. Um, we're going to be bringing some of that certification programs to Perth next year. And, uh, yeah, it's just a really exciting time to connect the ecosystem. I think there's a lot happening in the startup land. Um, it's thriving. It's I'm actually a bit jealous, to be honest. <laughs> so I would love to see more around that supporting ecosystem, bringing more of the scale-ups and the corporates together um, to help share knowledge, help understand how they can innovate and how they can best support the, the new industries and the startups coming through. That's very cool. And um, what are we trying to, or what are you trying to achieve over the next three plus years? Um, it it can be with uh, Lightbox Group. It could be any of your ideas or any of your um, ambitions or, or such that you're looking towards. Please, like, let us know. Yeah, I think firstly with the institute, um, we we were starting with WA, of course, because it's mm. the best state. Um, of course, Amen. my East Coast friends will be very angry. I just said that. <laughs> so, uh, our plan is to actually open up chapters in every state in Australia. I think it's really important that we connect. 
um, and build this common language across the whole country, um, help people to understand what innovation management actually is and how they can apply it in their work um, or in their organisation or in anything that they're doing actually. Uh, so that's really exciting. I'm looking forward to being part of helping that growth. Um, in terms of the innovation work that I love to do, um, I'm excited about the future. I have some great conversations happening, not just here in Perth, but globally as well around mm. universities that are interested in innovation management, um, also talking with other innovation labs around how the learning that we've experienced here in Australia, how we can reflect that in different cultures and countries. So um, there's some really exciting things. I'm not going to give too much away, so watch this space, I say. We'll have to get you back on again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, sure. absolutely. And congratulations, Gemma. I think it's terrific that you know, you and Greg and Kent and others have really brought this to life. I think for a really fulsome ecosystem, we need all parts, you know, firing. And as you've sort of pointed out, you know, some parts are firing and, and you know, particularly from a startup ecosystem at the moment, there's lots of many things that are kind of heading in the right direction. Obviously, we mm. can still collaborate more and still coordinate better. Um, but I'm just really keen to understand your thoughts on bringing that whole ecosystem around corporate innovation, around scale-ups mm. and SME innovation um, all together to really, um, mm. you know, build a really robust system here in WA. It feels like we're on the brink. Yeah. But, you know, there's still some work to be done, right? And, I, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, Jimmy and Amy are sort of filling parts of those yeah. gaps really. Yeah. So maybe your thoughts on that. Yeah. I think one of my other roles is as um, chairperson for the Discipline Advisory Board for Curtin University um, for innovation, entrepreneurship and international business and strategy. It's a mouthful. <laughs> um, but we, we had this conversation the other week actually um, um, we're looking at the students coming through and how do we connect them with industry and then mm. how do we connect mm. startups? I mean, I was on the Ignition program the other week mentoring. I saw some fantastic pictures. The the, the ideas coming through, the openness to try new things, the, um, I mean, we're hearing a lot about AI, right? So mm -hmm. AI yep. is exciting new world for all of us yeah. <laughs> um, to, to get our heads around. But we're seeing some very clever people pulling together solutions and ideas that will get us there. Um, so I think for me, seeing all of that happening and how we can integrate corporates mm. into this space and the scale-up businesses who actually need a lot more help, mm. um, I think there needs to be more programs. Mm -hmm. We need more opportunities for case studies for students to get access to um, students are the new entrepreneurs coming through, right? They're the next pipeline coming through. So I think if we can provide access and get the corporates actively engaged in education programs, actively engaged in the accelerator programs um, that are happening with within the startup community, um, I think we, we'll really start to mm. bring that together. I yeah. think we've got all these connection points. We just need to strengthen them. Um, and I know there's an appetite there. It, it really, like I said, we're on the brink. This is actually, I think we're tipping over, uh, tipping over now the edge and into this space, which is very, very exciting um, for uh, for WA. Yeah, absolutely. And um, just following from that, I know that you've um, named quite a few uh, talented individuals already, but are there other people perhaps that you've not mentioned so far or other people within sort of the innovation or the startup areas that um, have impressed you or potentially mm -hmm. an option or a segue to find collaboration with in the future? that you'd like uh, to list off? Do you know who doesn't get the mention is the corporate innovators, mm. right? So the people who are working within organisations yeah. to drive innovation programs, mm. 
as one element usually of multiple hats that they wear in their quite quite senior roles. I mean, mm. Chitina, who works at RAC, um, she's done an incredible job around innovation, their member lab. Um, that's really exciting. I mean, then obviously uh, James with the, the Better Labs program. Mm. Um, you know, there's there are a lot of people. I'll give a shout out within government. I mean, Jodie Cant, the Director General of uh, Department of Finance. I mean, she's done an amazing job of promoting innovation over the years. Um, she's somebody I really admire. I love what she does around um, mm. rotating her staff through her innovation teams internally. That within two, they get two years secondments. They get an opportunity to learn, be educated around innovation, and take that back to their substantive role. I want to see more of that happening. Mm. I want to see more of these people being showcased and I really believe that our institute will start to do that. We'll we'll grab these people, we'll put them up on the stage and we'll give them the soapbox to let everybody know what they're doing and how they're doing it because there's a lot to learn in that space as well. And a shout out to the Startup West podcast sponsors. The Startup West podcast is produced by Startup News and is made possible by the support from Space Cubed, Curtin University, RSM, the City of Perth and TechOn. Can we take you back through your career? Um, back to your school days. Uh, were you born here in Perth? No, I was actually born in England. So I was born in Worcestershire, just like the source. <laughs> um, I actually lived in Malvern Hills till I was nine years old. And then my family decided to emigrate. And we originally were going to go to the US, but we couldn't get enough points to enter into the country. So they pulled out a map of Australia, closed their eyes, <laughs> threw a pin down, and Perth was the place we moved to. So that was back in 1990. So I was quite young. Um, and then I, I grew up here in Perth. Uh, lived in Geraldton, moved to Queensland, moved back again. So um, I've actually been to five primary schools, four high schools. Yeah, uh, wow. We moved around a lot. Um, probably why I'm so resilient now mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and quite good at navigating new situations. Um, perfect for innovation, of course. So, it is, it is. Yeah. What were your favourite subjects at school? Uh, look, I was a super nerd. So I I was a student counsellor. I was the one running the assemblies. So, of course, drama was one of my favourite subjects. Um, <laughs> I did a lot of performing arts. Um, don't ask me to sing. That's not going to be pretty. But look, I I will happily put on my performance, um, uh, I guess my costumes and then be able to uh, be immersed in a different person or culture. Um, I really loved that. I actually thought one day I was going to end up, um, my goal was actually to move to Sydney and be on Home and Away. So I love it. it. Um, What about an entrepreneur? I obviously talked about some resilience, which Mm. was inbuilt Mm -hmm. from probably, possibly your childhood. But what about an entrepreneurial spirit? Do you think you had any of that or an innovative spirit um, within sort of school? Or when do you think that kind of came out for you? Yeah, I think my ability to be able to connect dots has always been there. Mm. I think I can see situations, read them really well, understand what people's intent is, especially a lot around behaviours, probably why I ended up in human Mm. resources. Yeah. So I think... Uh, that those kind of skills and capability have kind of naturally led me to see the unseen sometimes. Mm. And throughout my career, I've, I've created a number of different roles that didn't exist just because I saw an opportunity or kind of saw a way that I could make things better in an organisation. So um, I think it's definitely played out, but it probably comes from just that ability to read situations mm. well. Yeah. Nice. Um, 
after school um, university or did you go into the workforce? Yeah, I did a year of uni. I was going to be a teacher and I did my prac work and went, oh, hell no, this is not for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It probably didn't help that my siblings were actually at the school I was doing prac with. So, and I was, I was only a young (laughs) 18 year old, fresh, fresh university student. I had no clue what I was doing. So I ended up moving into retail. Um, I worked at Woolies. Mm -hmm. I was a Woolies, Woolies person, um, helped run a number of their departments and I learned a lot of skills there. I will be honest. I learned how to uh, manage profit and loss. I learned how to manage staff, rosters, manage stock levels, merchandising. I think people underestimate um, how how many skills you can learn in a retail environment. Um, and then when my first son was born, I went back to university and I did a degree in business, majoring in HR. And at that time, I actually had managed to wrangle my way into a HR job. So I was able to study and also work in the environment, which I, I can't recommend that enough, to be honest, mm. um, being able to take the methodology and the theories that you're learning into your day-to-day operational kind of work. Mm. So I was really fortunate. I mean, it took me six and a half years to do that degree. I, I mean, there was a lot of weekends given up. And that when that piece of paper came through, that very expensive piece of paper, <laughs> um, I... I was very proud of myself mm. that I was able to to get through that as well as raising children. So yeah, yeah. And did you move from government into government immediately, Gemma, or was there no, another well, pathway? I was actually only in government. I, I worked in lots of industries. Mm. So the the beauty of HR is it's transferable skills. Mm. Yeah. So you kind of go wherever the work is. People are everywhere, right? So I went from um, construction, mining to manufacturing, and then I, I hit a point of my career where I thought oh, this. I'm really bored. Mm. <laughs> um, it was very focused HR at that time around compliance. And mm. when I first started in HR, it was all about learning and development and growth of mm. your staff. People. people. people mm. Exactly. So seeing that kind of shift into very IR focused area um, didn't really warm warm my heart, to be <laughs> honest. So I took a moment to say, right, I'm going to go backwards in my career. I'm just going to take what I thought at the time was a cushy council job, a nine day <laughs> nine day fortnight. Um, but I, I wanted it to just kind of reset where my career was. But I walked into a local government. It was off the back of reform and um, amalgamations um, were going to happen and then they were cancelled at the last minute. So I walked into an organisation that was, I'm going to say, broken. Mm. Um, The culture wasn't good. People's behaviours weren't very um, good. There's a lot of naughty things going on. And as a HR professional, you end up dealing with the naughty children in the in the workplace. So um, I spent a lot of time looking at, you know, how can we improve things? How mm. can we make things better? Um, I worked on a program called Performance Optimization there. And that kind of led into the the innovation journey that I've had over the last six, seven years. Mm-hmm. And what, what advice would you give... Um, I'm thinking for younger people who are, you know, in your role um, at Curtin on the advisory board, chairing the advisory board, for those younger people who are looking for careers in in the innovation space. Yeah. I I mean, I never knew I was going to have mm. a career in innovation. Mm. Um, and it's interesting now. I've got a son who's at university, his mm. second year. Um, he's doing a commerce degree because he doesn't know what he wants to do. So <laughs> he's picked that. He's doing digital marketing and uh, business information systems. But I've had this conversation with him a few times. Mm. I said, you know, would you be interested in innovation? He's like, what is it, mum? I don't know <laughs> what it is. So I think, look, we, we do... There's this conception at the moment, sorry, perception at the moment that innovation is standalone. It's about dealing with the big ideas, technology. I think 
we need to re-educate that it's about being innovative in the way that you do your work, no matter what industry you work in. Mm -hmm. So I would really encourage anybody working or interested in studies and innovation uh, to think about what is the industry that they like to work in and then apply the innovation as a layer over the work that Mm. they do. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. We're going to run into the uh, quickfire round. Yeah. So we're just going to shoot out a few questions and the first thing that comes to mind. Fabulous. You ready? Let's go. All right, cool. So what do you think the single most important factor that makes innovation successful? Passionate people. You need the people, but they need to have the passion and the passion to actually do things better or improve quality of life, um, improve community facilities, whatever it is. If you don't have that passion, Mm. then they're just people. Mm. So you need passionate people. Love it. If you were to wave your magic wand over the local kind of innovation ecosystem, what would you wish into being? Uh, I'd love to see more public sector officers actively engage in the startup ecosystem. I think there's lots to learn and probably one of the biggest things I learned in in my roles in government was spending time and listening to the challenges that startups face and being able to provide a pathway to help them, you know, access grants, funding, or just support or access to other community groups um, to help bring their ideas and their businesses to life. So I'd love to see more activity from public sector officers. Awesome. I love that. Um, Who do you most admire out, out there in the Local innovation, tech, or whatever scene. Oh, uh, look, there that changes Perth. every week. Sure. So, so every, this week event is? I, every, every event <laughs> I go to, I, I see somebody who's doing something amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Look, I'm not going to name anyone because I'd be here for a week. So, because um, yeah. there's just so many incredible people doing great things. So, marvelous. How can anyone listening help you? Look, come and be a member of the Australian Innovation Management Institute. You, you don't have to be in innovation, you just have to have an interest and a love for wanting to do things differently, it's going to be a great opportunity for people to learn and connect, not only from like our incredible board that we have with Nikki and Eva and Andrew, Kent, Greg and myself, but also from the amazing people we're bringing in to talk and present at these events. So get on board, come and join us. Awesome. And what do you do to get away from it all? How do you rest and relax? Oh, great question. Look, I'm learning to become a little bit better with this, but um, I'm very uncoordinated when it comes to sports. So I won't talk about any of that um, because I just have a whole pile of embarrassing stories for you. Um, But look, I've I've got a ridiculous obsession with floral dresses. So I love to go walk around the shops and find my next dress. Um, I love a bath. I love to just shut the door away from the kids and relax. Reading books. um, I've done a lot on the like self-development books. I listen to podcasts, but I've just started getting back into fiction, which has been quite interesting. So it's taken me a little while to get there again. Um, And that's just about, I guess, encouraging imagination in my brain to to trigger a few different thought processes. You can get kind of stuck in people's views around self-development. So um, shifting that a little bit now in my brain, which is great. Last um, good book that you read or something that you want to recommend? Oh, Look, I I will talk about the very first innovation book that I read, which was The Innovation Formula, and it was by Amantha Imba, who is um, based over in Melbourne. She runs an innovation consultancy called Inventium over there. And I saw her speak at that original innovation conference, and uh, it was all about the formula for innovation Mm. as an individual, in teams or in a culture. So anybody who's interested in innovation, go read that book. Yeah, it's a great one to start with. Awesome. Thank you so much, Gemma. It's been terrific to chat to you. I wish you all the best with Lightbox and the Australian Innovation Management Institute. I think it's fabulous that you have this um, really 
fulsome um, viewpoint on the whole of the innovation ecosystem and that really there is a space for everyone within it and that's in fact how we're going to lift the whole thing. So thank you so much for your time. It's been terrific to chat to you on the Startup West podcast. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks, Gemma. And thank you to our sponsors. The Startup West podcast is produced by Startup News and is made possible by the support from Space Cubed, Curtin University, RSM, the City of Perth and TechOn. We recorded this podcast at Riff Podcast Studios in beautiful downtown Perth or Western Australia. Don't forget to subscribe to Startup West on your favourite podcast platform so our latest episodes appear in your feed. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. Bye.